0: You are listening to Hear Her Sports, a podcast for active, adventurous women who love hearing stories from other active, adventurous women. I'm your host, Elizabeth Emery. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in sport through a conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. Today, I introduce a young soccer player to follow as she progresses, Tinny Charles. What I love about this episode are the details about being a young, intense, ambitious athlete on the rise. Tinny is balancing that and working full time. And she gives a sense of what that is like. For soccer fans and players, she shares how she is training. I love too how Tinny is thinking about the broader picture of her place in sports now and in the future as a leader in women's sports. Like so many of my guests, giving back to the next generation is an essential aspect of what they do. Let's now meet Tinny. Ascentenny Charles, often known as Tinny, is a women's footballer meaning soccer here in the States. She has been playing since she was young and is currently with Team Billericke Town FC based in Essex, England. The 2021-2022 season has been full of great successes. Tinney got selected to play at international level for St. Vincent and the Grenadines, where she helped her home nation secure the first win on home soil. Certainly one for the history books. Adding to the success of 2022, Ricky Town FC were recently crowned champions and have secured a promotion to tier three. And now Tinney's journey to becoming a full-time professional footballer continues. Off the pitch with her sports coaching and performance analysis degree, Tinney is also a key voice within women's sport, helping to drive the younger generation. The struggles of losing her mom and sister at a young age has led Tinney to get involved through public speaking to be a part of the FA Women's Leadership Program and support young female athletes in the community with similar struggles to her experiences. Her proudest achievement to date is being awarded Women's Sports Personality of the Year. I am so excited to have you here, Tinny, and thanks so much for reaching out. I appreciate it, it's great. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Sure thing. Um, Could we start with some basics of where you are right now? Because I gather you've been doing a lot of traveling.
1: (laughs) I have indeed. Yeah, I've been doing a whole lot of traveling for the past two months. Um, So I'm currently back home, which is London in the UK. It's really, really good to be back home and kind of get back into my my usual routine, I guess. But yeah, recently have been away. So I went on a seven week trip to St. Vincent, which is where both my parents are from. I went there for international duty it was an amazing experience to kind of get called up for my first international cap uh, which was really really good and really exciting um, so exciting yeah yeah it was it was really great and then also had a, a great opportunity to kind of I came back for a, for about a week and then went away for for a work trip to the Netherlands I went to Amsterdam for about a week so now I'm officially back and now now I'm definitely home in the UK and London
0: I have so many questions already. Okay, so uh, let's start with the last thing. You said you you were in Amsterdam on a work trip. What are you, what were you doing?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm currently um, working as a growth executive for a load of different sports clients at the moment. So I went out there just to have a few business meetings and kind of talk to them about, I guess, how my company can help theirs grow. There's a really cool project sort of uh, offloading uh, within the transition of sport at the moment. So I know like with Formula One, there's obviously a lot of changes that happen. And also with the men's premier league season obviously coming to an end there's the whole transfer season people getting signed and stuff so my company kind of deals with any of the marketing or media behind that so i'm often traveling around to some really really cool sports clients actually kind of having great conversations around that are you
0: working full-time
1: i am indeed yes wow wow that sounds like a lot it's a very heavy schedule i mean (laughs) you know one day it would be great to i mean it's it's amazing that obviously my my club have managed to uh win the league and now get a, a really good promotion we've been working hard for that all season um but yeah i've had to work full-time and and also play and train and stuff, which is uh, definitely not easy, but I'd, I'd say for sure women's uh, athletes definitely understand this transition, right? Totally, um, yeah. And I mean, it, the goal for everyone, I guess any female athlete, is to kind of get to a stage where you can just do sport, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, just continuing to work hard towards that, but also just making sure I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So, you know, that's why I partake in loads of the different um, programs that I'm on the side of work and then also just really enjoying like the job that I'm working in now. So.
0: And, and one of the things that always strikes me as difficult for somebody at your level who is trying to you know get even higher and become a professional but is also working is sort of figuring out the travel schedule. I mean, you just talked about traveling. I mean, I gather your company is understanding about that.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, I think that's the biggest difficulty as well. I'd say one of the biggest, especially as you make that transition. Um, so I have recently, well, about a year ago, I would say make transition from being a student to a full time sort of sort of worker, And I think that's when things get a little bit more difficult for female athletes, because, you know, you have the job situation. You know, are, is your job going to be happy about it? Do they allow you to kind of do things you do aside of that? And yeah, I mean, it was it was a difficult sort of transition. I think I was really worried about it at the time, but yeah, I, I had the privilege and I, and I had the support, you know. So I booked some some of the days off as holiday, and then some of the days just as days off, really. Um, and then also agreed to work remotely for the first two weeks whilst I was out in the Caribbean, which was again another hurdle because of the time difference, right? But it's just what you have to do when when you're you're a female athlete trying to make it make it up to the top, and until you get there, you kind of have to work with it. Did you talk to your employer
0: about this situation prior to being hired? I mean, like, was this part of the sort of the hiring discussions?
1: No. So uh, when I was hired, I, so because this is my first call up for um, Saint Vincent and mm-hmm. the Grenadines, yeah. So I had no idea this was coming, and it, you know, they've obviously been monitoring me for quite a while now, and it kind of just comes out the blue. Really, it's kind of just a case of them kind of contacting my club and contacting my managers and saying, "Hey, look, you're a really great player. We kind of want you to come down." who are international sort of set up and help build things over here. So, I mean, when I was interviewing with, with this company about a year ago, that this was not in the conversation. I mean, of course, they knew I was playing sports, um, but that doesn't interfere with work because I train in the mornings, I train in the evenings, and then I have my games on the weekends, right? And if I'm working, it's just nine to five from a Monday to Friday, so that doesn't interfere. So yeah, it was definitely wasn't a conversation I had to have prior to obviously getting the job. That's interesting that you had no idea it was coming. no. Not at all. Um, and I think also it's, it's, it's really interesting because I think I've had a, like a lot of conversations recently about like, oh, how this kind of how this happened? This kind of just came out of the blue. Um, I really, really just am super grateful for the opportunity because I remember specifically during that time, I originally had a three week holiday booked off to the Caribbean because I just wanted to go home and see my family. And then the trip, you know, somehow turned into a three week holiday trip to a seven week football trip. So, I mean, I got to see my family and I got to play for my country and, you know, my family that are in the Caribbean who usually don't see me play over here in England kind of got to watch me play out there, which was it was amazing. And, you know, I had so many moments of like just emotionally being like up and down. And it was it was it was a perfect scenario, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I remember at the time being super, super worried about telling my work manager about it and kind of talking to them about how I kind of had that conversation with them, or do I just book the days off, do I do I not? And it's super, super scary, especially, I think, if you're just kind of coming out of uni like a year ago, you know, kind of just transitioned into the working world and, you know, you don't want to lose your job, do you? So, um, yeah. But it's a huge deal that you got called up. Oh, yeah, massive. I mean, it's, it's definitely great, and it's definitely great for my recognition. It's definitely great for my uh, career as well, my progression as well. I learned so much about... Um, the type of player that I am, um, the type of player that, you know, I'm looking to kind of transition into and work towards. And just a, the complete, it's a complete different environment. I mean, playing football in the Caribbean is completely different to playing football in England or in, in London, right? So it was an amazing, amazing experience. I think definitely is, it's only going to make me a bigger and a, a stronger player. So i hoping to continue um, obviously representing them at international level throughout you know from now until the foreseeable future and then also just being able to use what i've learned to take back to my my playing experiences on the field uh, with my current club here in england and then just continue to progress from there really sure well that's one of my questions is it just seems i don't
0: know if there could be two more different situations england you know like i think like gray and rainy and then the caribbean is so opposite (laughs) that
1: (laughs) yeah Honestly, it's, it's amazing. I mean, there, there is, um, I'd definitely say my body was confused when I came back. You know, I've been <laughs> sitting, I've been in the sun for like eight weeks. Um, I think when I first went as well, the, the first week of training was like super hard. I remember asking some of the, the teammates, especially the club captain down there in Caribbean saying like, hey, how do you guys run in this heat all the time? <laughs> because <laughs> there is just no breeze whatsoever. You know, it doesn't matter what time of the day you train, there is no breeze. The, the, the heat is just, it's crazy. It's, it's, Yeah. And having to run, you know, and, you know, obviously you're playing for international level, right? So you're expected to kind of hit certain levels of fitness in order to to deem you as fit to play the game and stuff like that. And it's super, super tough. I remember working very closely with the fitness coaches for the first two weeks in particular, just to make sure my body could adapt sort of as smoothly as possible. And then, yeah, got back to the UK and then went back to training over here. And I was like, yes, and breathe. This is great.
0: (laughs) What is the difference in the play? You hinted that there was a big difference between the play that you do with your club and the play that that uh, the national team is doing.
1: Sure. So I think um I think across the board, I think it's fair to say that obviously the Caribbean won't have as much facilities. Well, okay, maybe not all of the Caribbean. Let's talk about my my uh, so where where I'm from, particularly. So Saint Vincent doesn't have the same playing facilities as like they would in England. Uh, they won't have the same training setups. They may not have all of the coaching, like, access or staff or, you know, just equipped with all of those sort of things in, in comparison to what I would have here in England, right? So a lot of it was kind of them also understanding, hey, look, what do you have in England that you can kind of bring here or, or help us to add to this team? So I know that, you know, the next tournament coming up, which should be sometime early next year, there's, there, there's going to be, like, loads of different changes on sort of the setup down there in the Caribbean, how we can continue to improve the girls down there. And then also up here in England, it's like very, very structured, right? And women's football is like progressing so, so much over here. So like you have like club level, which will will transition all the way up to the higher age groups and then obviously you have your different leagues and stuff. In the Caribbean it's kind of just only one league. So Mm -hmm. everyone just kind of competes in the same boat. And, you know, if they want to compete higher, they kind of got to go abroad. So they've got to look at can I get myself to England? Can I get over to somewhere in Europe? Or, you know, can I go over to the US? And then all the financial difficulties with that as well so it's a complete different playing field and um, I think they were very very grateful to also have me as well on board just to kind of help drive some of the girls individually and give them hope that you know that you know if, if you're working or adding these small details to your game which which are regular things for me to do in England then you know they can continue to improve and hopefully make it out to the US or somewhere in Europe to play one day. I love that you mentioned the small
0: details because you mentioned that quite a bit on your social media. Like, what are you talking about? What what kind of small detail?
1: Like, for example, some, some of the girls have no idea what strength and condition is. Oh, wow. And I mean that in a sense where like an ordinary, you know, fitness coach would just uh, sort of perform fitness tests and kind of test you and all that sort of stuff. Specific strength and conditioning coach will relate it to obviously your sporting, your playing field, right? So like basketballers will have a different program to footballers. XYZ. So I was kind of showing them the difference between that and kind of getting them to understand that, like, also if you're if you're like a winger, so like someone that plays out wide, in comparison to someone that's a striker, also your strength and conditioning programs can be can be a bit different as well. And and these are how you adapt it to kind of help you build what you need specifically for your specific playing position. And that's also something I studied quite a lot for my degree. So it was amazing. We had like loads of different workshops where I would help them on their program because obviously that's what I studied. And then I would kind of share with them the program that I was actively working on in England and like how often my program changes, sort of things I need to track, like so many details, which seems basic, right? But to them, it's like, wow, this is amazing. Like I've, I, no one's ever told me this before.
0: That's so cool that you were there with that information.
1: Yeah, it was really, really cool. And it was really humbling to be able to kind of take that back, you know, because I, I you know my both my parents are from St. Vincent right grew up there and and half my siblings were born there too so it was really great to feel like i was adding some type of value to my country you know helping helping young individuals specifically kind of just improve and learn a lot more about their game or themselves as an individual or, or as like a female athlete you know
0: the stuff that you were teaching them was that mostly stuff that that you learned through your education because you as you said you studied that or was it something that most of the players you know on your club team also know
1: yeah great question so i mean specifically when when we kind of get into the whole uh, strength and conditioning programming and stuff like that that was a lot of stuff that i studied and and that's what i've i do like on the side and stuff and, and run programs for, for young athletes on that as well and then in terms of like generic stuff so understanding you know really big differences between playing positions and all that sort of thing that's just general that's really um, like any any athlete or any woman's sort of footballer in England would know those things mm-hmm. but you know because they don't have maybe the same coaching staffs or the same uh, the same equipment or you know they don't get the updates as frequently as you would get them in England so maybe they're just you know a little bit behind on that right right
0: yeah So in your club team, describe a little bit about, you know, how the tier system works and where your club team fits in. And also as part of that, you know, like you just moved up a a new tier, like what is the significance of that? And how is that going to change how you guys are going to, you know, approach next season?
1: Oh, yeah, super exciting. So this is, this is amazing. So in terms of, um, so sorry, your first question was just...
0: <laughs> was it, uh, yeah, just a brief explanation, because I hadn't realized about the tier system in England. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping uh, the listeners don't understand that either and we can get a, a good description <laughs> of what's going on over there.
1: Okay, perfect. So, yeah, at the moment, we're competing in the FA, which stands for Football Association, for anyone that doesn't know. So, so the FA National League, um, and we're currently in tier four. Um, So the promotion means we go up to tier three, um, which essentially moves us one step closer to the top, right? So here in England, obviously, you've got the women's WSL as the top league, and then you kind of go down from there. So this transition means that next season can look a bit more full on, I would say. So moving from training, you know, twice a week to perhaps training three, four times a week. In terms of more of a full time setup, it would also mean that um, our games are our travels are like much further out as well, which which is kind of like you know what full time footballers do, right? You know, you kind of if you have an away game, you go for the weekend and you do practices and you train for that. So that's what it means in in that sense. And in terms of the playing ability, I mean, massive difference. We're mm. playing against girls who are much phys- you know, physically stronger, more experienced, and and the uh, pace of play is much much quicker, so there there is a, a really big difference between between the two tiers. Um, and I think it'll be really exciting to see how we get on there. And I ultimately do believe that we are ready for it because, as a club, we've we've transitioned so much in terms of um adding in new stuff in training, making sure we have like the right group of players, adding more coaching staff in, making it very very specific and, and adaptable as well. And and I think, you know, when we do move up, it will, be, it will be a test, but it will also show how much as a club that we are ready for the step up.
0: That's great. It sounds like it's a more expensive program to go from four to three. Is that true? For sure. Yeah. And for how sure. how does that get covered? Or do you even know?
1: I mean, great question. Part part of that I wouldn't know, to be honest. I mean, that would yeah. be, be a question for, like, the club secretary or something. <laughs> but, I mean, I know in, term, like in terms of, like, funding and stuff, you mean?
0: Well, I mean, even just increasing the number of practices, for example, is going to cost more money and traveling further is going to cost more money. It just, I mean, that seems to me a big indication of how big a difference
1: it is that you were talking about. Yeah. So, I don't know.
0: It's just interesting.
1: I mean, I don't ultimately know how all of it gets covered, but I know some basics in terms of like, so all of us girls have sponsors and, you know, my sponsor in particular, he's amazing. So, they will obviously sponsor me as a as a player for a season. And I guess that, that goes as well towards the club. Mm-hmm. So if you have, we have like a group of maybe somewhere between 20 odd to 30 odd girls on the team and all of them have player sponsorships. So all of that funding will go into the pocket for, you know, the season and kind of help out through there. And then also, I guess there would also be some, some funding available and stuff as well for the transition. So to support us from moving from, the tier that we were in to the tier that we're going into because obviously that transition will be equally as hard for for any club right yeah i'm not really sure how how the rest of it kind of gets covered but i know that would generally be the basics understanding from a player's point of view and you
0: said that you're sponsored individually by s- some person
1: yeah so he actually does um he actually does help out down at the club as well but i mean people have sponsors from anywhere like you can have spawn like your your. you parents can sponsor you or whatever but yeah i have a really really great great sponsor his name is james he he works uh with the media team down at at the club at billerickey super super supportive he he supports me on and off the field as well so really helped a lot with like my transition into getting out into international duty as well which was amazing of course he pays for the sponsorship as well which just means that whatever he contributes towards that goes to the club and helps them with sort of all the funds and stuff, all the things that they, they need to pay for. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. And I think it's a very, um, I would say for sure, it's definitely a humbling experience to have a sponsor and especially someone who, um, who is, who is so supportive because, you know, as an athlete, you, there's all different types of support, right? You have your coaches, you have your mentors, you, you might have like the club secretary and stuff, but to have a sponsor on top of that as well is, um is amazing. And I, I was talking to the girls in the Caribbean about this, in fact, because they had no idea what that was.
0: I don't have any idea what that was. I've never heard of that. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, they 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 didn't even know it was a thing. They didn't know it was existed. And I remember speaking to uh, the St. Vincent Federation kind of saying, like, these are kind of things that can happen to kind of help the club financially as well, you know? So yeah, it's it's amazing. It's um I feel very privileged to to have uh, him as a sponsor, for sure.
0: And what do the sponsors get in return other than sort of the satisfaction of of sponsoring an awesome player?
1: Great question. I mean, I definitely say I think I think three access to games so they can sure. just come, come to any of the games and stuff like that. And and they can be as involved as as they wish to be. You know, uh, whether that means coming with us to the games on the weekend, coming on sort of an ad hoc basis, M- maybe they want to volunteer at the club and kind of help out with the setup, setting up training sessions or helping the media team. It's it's totally up to them.
0: And what is your training like?
1: So yeah, my individual training session is, is quite intense. So I would train in the morning. So that would often be something like a gym session or a jog. And I mean like 5am in the morning because I have work at I have work meetings most mornings eight thirty a m right? and I mean this work from home life has definitely made things a lot easier because it means I get a little, <laughs> little, little bit more of a lion um but I do go to the office some days, so some days you know yeah, definitely up at five to start some training sessions, so i it would be a mixture between gym sessions, uh individual like on the ball sessions, so maybe doing some drills that I know will help my specific playing position. And then a mixture of some like cardiovascular stuff outside as well. So maybe going for some 5K jogs and stuff like that. And we tend to have um so we have club trainings as well. So that'll be in the evenings. So I will drive up to Essex. So from where where I am, it's about a 30-minute drive. It can be quite tight and quite full on, especially with like long work days, especially if you know leaving the office at like five and having to start training at like seven. It's kind of like a, okay, let's eat some food really quick and kind of rush off to training. <laughs> But I'm, also, I'm so used to it. Like I've been doing this since I would say like early days of secondary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I used to go, I used to actually go out to Florida, so IMG Academy, every single summer for six weeks, and they train super intensely down there. I remember I, I did that for like the whole of my secondary school, like days. I understand what it feels like to kind of wake up in the morning, have loads of stuff like train, and then have loads of stuff to do in the day, and then still train in the evening, and then you know just go to bed. It's super, super hectic, but I, I really do enjoy it. And of course, you know, I do have my rest days. Like I'm not, I'm not a robot. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I want to continue
0: talking about training, but first I have to ask, in school, you went to Florida during the summers. How did you know that you were so interested in in soccer?
1: Oh, great question. So I, I, um, so I have, I have a lot of brothers. Uh, so there's, so there's nine of us in total, uh, seven boys and only two girls. So me and my sister and then seven boys. And there's kind of like an age gap difference, right? So the younger half of siblings, which kind of fall on my age bracket side, are all boys. So I remember like when I was younger, you know, as a kid, you want to go and play outside and it's kind of like, right, the boys just want to play football. I may not actually want to do that, but what else am I going to do? Am I going to sit inside by myself? So I kind of just ended up kind of going out with them, you know, every weekend, playing some football, then just became really good at it. And and it got to a point where it was kind of like, hey, like, I'm actually better than the boys at this. So, like, maybe I should take it seriously. And it was great. And I think also with, like, my past experiences, like, the struggles I've had within, uh, like, my family, as I mentioned on the bio as well, losing my mum super young and then my sister being my legal guardian for a while and then losing her. Football was just an escape for me. It was a way out. It was like, hey, if I'm training, I'm happy. And I'm not stressed. And I can still, you know, I can have some time off where I don't think about stuff. And then just be an average kid after that. So like get schoolwork done and stuff without feeling like so, so down and depressed because I know I've played football that day. So I really, really started, especially during secondary school times where I was really struggling without, without my mom, I really, really increased how many times I trained a day. And then I remember just researching like really, really top training camps in, in America. And that's when I came across IMG Academy, which is based in Florida. And I remember when I was like talking to my siblings about it for the first time, they were like, Hey, like this is really expensive, Tinny. Like, we know you like football, but like it's really expensive to send you here for like six weeks every summer. And they were like, Hey, if you can put together a presentation and present to me like the main reasons why you really feel like this camp is going to benefit you and help you to be a better player, then we're happy to pay for you. We're happy to send you there every summer. And I remember that that presentation was like the most terrifying thing I've ever done. I was like, why am I Why am I presenting to my brothers? Like, they should just be understanding. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was presenting for my life because I really knew getting that experience so young as well was definitely going to make me a better player. And also, it was gonna. I was going to learn to be a lot more independent, you know, being away from your family so young for six weeks, right, yeah, yeah. at a time. So, yeah, I went to Florida every single summer. And it was amazing. Like, the training schedule was so full on there. And I learned so much about about myself. And uh, yeah, I, I really, really loved it. So that's kind of how I transitioned in, into that.
0: That shows so much, I don't know, forethought or uh, drive or something. It's incredible. I love it.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Cool.
0: And it's also interesting what you said about, you know, the sports sort of clearing your mind in a way, I was just talking to somebody about that, how, you know, it's so important for kids especially these days to have an outlet to sort of clear their mind and keep their mental health strong.
1: Sure, for sure. And I think definitely I, I was speaking to um so I have like a uh, like a network hub sort of thing, which I've been building with younger younger girls who who are also struggling with, you know, similar things that I struggled with as a kid. And I often tell them like like sport is more than just a game. You know, you can go there, you can be happy. And sometimes even if you sometimes if you don't feel like training, just being there is enough. You know, being on the sidelines, maybe watching your friends train or chatting to a coach or whatever. Because, I mean, some of the coaches I've had are absolutely amazing. And the support I've had from them is like, it's amazing. So I, I, you know, I always encourage the, the young ones to kind of find something that gives you outlet, find something that gives you that release. Um, and I definitely say like sport is up there with one of the most like. You know, it does that. Do you think that's true for
0: kids who like sports, as well as for kids who maybe don't like them as much?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think if if you're talking about being an active athlete, then yeah, for sure. I I had a um, I had a I had a little kid who is now thirteen. Um, I got introduced to him when he was seven, um, and he was having a whole whole load of problems. Um, which which I could relate to, I remember he just wasn't interested in, like, kicking a football, bouncing a basketball. Like, he just wasn't interested at in it at all. What he was interested, though, in was, like, setting up programs, so like, putting the cones out or doing mm. things that didn't involve as much. And this is something that I try to teach them, especially, like, as, as they're younger as well and try to explain that, like, it's not necessarily about you having to be a top athlete. Like, you can join a club that you know, is not as demanding. So join like at a lower league and stuff. And it's genuinely just a social club. It's a place for you to meet others who may be struggling and who might just want to release. And if the demands are are not as much, then you can still get out of it just as much as everyone else does. Yeah, I love that.
0: Okay, so I want to go back to the training that you were talking about. So what portion of your total training does strength take you know the,
1: the work in the gym lifting weights and that kind of stuff for me it's yeah it's about 50 50 for me oh really 50 50 and sometimes it's not necessarily so my strength and condition is mixed between like gym stuff and like on the field stuff so it can be a mixture of like on the field stuff in terms of like just jumping over hurdles one foot two foot those sort of things to kind of build uh plyometrics and then also like lifting weights in terms of like you know deadlift squats and stuff like that yeah it's 50 50 for me I think it's important and one thing that I've realized a lot as well is strength and condition helps so much with um prevention of injury yes because if you build those muscles around like those particular spots uh, your body just gets so much stronger and I've had a few niggles like every, every athlete's had like their injuries and stuff like that but I often find that these injuries come about when I'm not keeping up with my strength and conditioning program So that's something that I try to, you know, focus on quite a lot. And is quite important. But then also have to understand that, you know, I am a footballer and the best way to get better at football is to play football. So (laughs) sometimes you just have to incorporate a ball with that as well. So I've learned that quite a lot as well.
0: So incorporating the ball within your strength training. That's cool.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I might do, you know, some squats and stuff and then go do like a dribbling drill, like straight after it. I'm kind of getting both in at once. It doesn't have to be super intense all the time. It, you just ha- it just has to be smart. It has to be specific. And are you designing your own program? Majority of the time, yes. I do also talk to like some some coaches that I've worked with before who are specifically working in strength and conditioning. Or I'll speak to like the management down at my club as well or like the physios as well who also have a good intake. So it's a mixture of all. But I think specifically, I'm I'm probably a little bit OCD on it because I studied it right, and I I find these things super interesting. How you can just like build your muscle in a certain way and have like a different, like a complete different output to what you were having before. And it and it really helps my game. It really helps my game, and I think also my studies was super important towards that as well. Because as I was studying this, I was kind of incorporating it as into myself, right? So um, yeah, it's uh, it's a mixture of all. I'd say
0: your club team is taking a big leap and you personally are taking a big leap by going to your national team so are you tweaking your program at all or what are you very specifically going to work on between now and you know your next matches
1: yeah great question so we've just finished the season the new season is due to start uh sometime like september i would say so from now until then as it currently stands, I'm on, I'm on rest <laughs> because my body needs that. So um, when it hits about June, I'm going to change my program completely to be more, uh, a bit more intense, just in in sense of like in pre-season, obviously you train very different to you do when you're in season of and course, yeah. as well. So I'll change it in, in that sense as well. But I definitely say my aim for next season is very, very specific. I would definitely like to be the fittest winger on the team, so the, the fittest individual in my position. So it just means understanding what the demands are for my specific position and making sure my training program is super super specific to match that so I can have the best performances and the best output. Do you have anything in mind already? I do, so I'm going to I'm going to focus a lot on uh, like speed um, and plyometrics as well and agility. So um because those are the things that, that are most needed for like a wide play, you know, just being super quick, being uh, really strong and powerful in the legs to kind of get that drive and get that force going. So I'm going to focus on those things in terms of like strength and conditioning sort of elements. And then like on field, just going to really pinpoint like the things that I'm good at. And I think sometimes what athletes can do quite a lot is like focus on – maybe things that they're they're bad at and just continuously try to improve them. But for me, it's like, hey, if these are my strengths, like my strengths got to be so great, right? So if I can continue to improve my strengths where they're just amazing, then I can always find a way out. So, you know, just being super, super confident in like 1v1 situations when I'm taking on players. So like improving my skill ability and stuff like that. And my speed will help with that as well. And then improving like my technique with like crossing the ball and stuff like that as well.
0: Early in, in our conversation, you said that playing for the international team, uh, you realized what kind of player you were and what kind of player you wanted to be in the future.
1: Can you describe that a little bit more? Like, what kind of player are you? Yes, yeah, so I would definitely say, like, I was putting, it's completely different, right? So, like, in England, um, here at my club, it's an amazing bunch of girls. In fact, it's the best bunch of girls I've ever played with. And there's a real big combination between the Claire leaders. And kind of the rest of the girls. And I'm usually not really one to kind of um, like within within the actual footballing environment, like playing environment as an athlete. I'm you know, never usually saw myself as like captain or someone who um, was always there for like leadership and stuff like that. That's kind of like my work sort of off the field in the sporting environment as a whole. And I remember when I got down to the Caribbean, it was completely different. It was like they were all relying on my my experience. They were all relying on me to talk up. They were all relying on me to be the leader. Like, hey, if Tinny if says we could, we should do the drill this way, we should do the drill this way, you know? And I, and I learned so much about some of the stuff that I have in me that maybe I'm not put to use as much in England. And then just kind of picturing that and being like, hey, like, I could be, like... I could look like a whole different athlete in like a year's time if I really put my mind to it, you know, and if I really added those, those experiences in the experiences that I learned when I was on International G.
0: When are you going back to play with, with the St. Vincent team?
1: Um, I, think, I believe the next tournament is a Nations League, and that should be in February or like January, February time. So, yeah, I should be back down then, which will, which will be super good. I love talking about rest, and you mentioned that you were in
0: rest right now. What does that look like for you?
1: oh it's great it's amazing (laughs) Uh, um (laughs) yeah it just it just it honestly it's really simple stuff but like I feel like women's athletes will understand the most it it could just look like a going to work at nine in the morning finishing at five and going straight home and just sitting on the sofa and watching movies like to me that's that's great because on an average day on a usual like I wouldn't get to do that right like, come September, like, I'm going to be like, oh, I have to go to the gym today, or I have to go to training, or I have to... Like, I don't just get to go home and go and sit on the sofa. So it means that. And it also means, like, just having less days working out, also having a bit more freedom with what I eat and drink, right? Mm, yeah. So, you know, maybe eating some foods that made me feel, made me feel happy. Maybe, maybe an odd pizza or, you know, some ice cream or something. I mean, it doesn't mean that I go silly excessive on it, because then that means I'm going to have to, like, train so much harder when I'm <laughs> back. But... It just means I wouldn't get to do those stuff as regular on season. So it's nice to kind of use that to an advantage now. And also I'm super family orientated as well. So it just means spending so much more time with my brothers and stuff. Because a lot of the time that I spend with them now is kind of like very, very short. Or, or it's kind of them coming to support me at football games or, you know, because my schedule is so, so crazy. Right. Or me going to support them, you know, at their stuff. Whereas now we can just have chill time. Let's watch a movie. Let's let's uh, let's go to a restaurant this evening. Let's you know the things that I wouldn't usually get to do in the evenings. So, what are your long term goals in soccer? Great. So, I, I definitely want to get to like the highest level of playing that you know, I believe I can get to, and I'm on track for that. As in, like continuing to improve. And every athlete has like their ups and downs. They have things that they need to overcome. And I definitely say that's the road that I'm on now. But you know, go transitioning to being like. A player to now representing internationally definitely puts me on track for that as well. And then, of course, my club is moving up leads. So definitely hoping for another successful season uh, next season and then just continue to build and see, like, you know, what's the highest level I can really, really get to, you know?
0: And what is it about sports that keeps you interested? And because you sound like so engaged with all aspects of the sport, I mean, sort of the business side and the training and the playing and the competition, you know, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely say the opportunities that it gives you. And I, and I mean that, like, as an all-rounder. So, you know, you playing sports could mean you can meet an amazing coach who could in the future be, like, your manager or, you know, uh, your mentor or help you into opportunities that you never would have seen or never would have been exposed to had you have not played that sport, had you have not been there at that specific moment in time. I think some of the opportunities that I've, that I've been given into, like, Talk on panels, uh, be a part of the leadership programme for women's, help out, you know, at colleges, at schools, go, take like kids on school trips that they wouldn't usually get to go to. All these opportunities for me have come through sport, have just solely come from me playing football and putting myself out there. So I would definitely say that's the most, uh, that's, that's the bit that I, I definitely love the most. I think it's really important to understand what specifically it is that keeps you going, keeps you driving. So I think that's something that I've done from being on the FA leadership program. That's something that we kind of dived into quite a lot. And yet I discovered that it was it was honestly just being that role model, specifically for the younger generation or for athletes that are behind me who have gone through similar things, are going through similar things or can relate to me in any in any sort of way, just showing them, you know, never give up um there's there's always there's always a way forward and you know if you continue to push like day by day you you will get there because you know if I was to look at where I was four or five years ago or if I was to stop playing football after my mum had passed I would have never made it to international duty right so it's it's just about all those sort of things that um definitely keeps me going for sure did you did you want to take a break after your mother passed For sure. It was it was super super tough. And I did take a break. I took a break for a month and it just like it just didn't work. Like I was just in bed. Mm -hmm. Then one morning I was like, hey, you know what? Let's uh let's try some football because I tried everything else. I tried to read a book. I tried to watch a movie. I tried to order a pizza. I tried to play with my brothers. I you know, I tried everything else and it didn't work. So I thought, hey, let's let's actually try some football. How about it? Let's go back to basics. And I, and I remember going downstairs that day and kind of after having, like, a really, really tough month of just, like, what am I actually going to do now? Like, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. And the moment I started training and I, I remember, like, I set out, like, six cones and I was dribbling in between them. And for that, that, that split 20 second period, I, I genuinely didn't think about the pain that I was in. And that's when I realized how important it would be for me to continue playing football, no matter the circumstances. So even if it was a case of, you know, okay, maybe I'm my body's not ready to compete at a high level right now, but if I just join a club that I can commit to, then that's important for me. So I stuck with it. I want to talk about the FA Women's
0: Leadership Program. It's a program that supports females with aspirations to work within the women's football game. And my understanding is that The big picture goal is for more women to end up in leadership positions of football. And I just absolutely love it. You know, it's a new program, right? So what was it like to be part of one of the first classes?
1: Yes, it was amazing. I was part of one of the first classes. I think there was only 10 cohorts on there as well. So it was amazing for me to be a part of that 10. And it was so inspirational. I think the the aim and, and the the goal and the vision behind the program is, is just sums me up, really, because with the way that women's sport, you know, women's sport is a massive topic in today's, like, today, right? It's improving all over. And I think specifically, well, f- as a footballer for myself, I'd know more about women's football, right? So uh, that's improving a lot, especially here in England as well, with, like, the women's Euros coming up and the England team doing so well and driving that sort of force for that. Then you kind of look around and think, hey, like, how many managers in in the men's Premier League are females, you know? Or how many of them are directors? How many of them are up there on on the chairboard? So it was definitely kind of gave us a vision into that and kind of scope into where, um, like, what the bigger picture is. So, like, you know, if, if we have more women involved in sport or involved in committing to this long-term project, then that means that we put ourselves forward for more, like, legibility. There's more positions available for women in sporting roles, and then we can kind of work up the ladder from there. So, yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was a very humbling experience to be a part of that first cohort as well. What did you guys do, and how long was it, and how did it all work? So it ran for a period of a year, Um, oh wow okay yeah yeah we did we did loads of workshops so uh we met also like a load of sporting athletes as well just females who were really inspirational kind of talked about that we got involved with a lot of the university programs as well so just kind of channeling where it all comes from right because you know on average kind of the dropout for football or for for females with sport and stuff kind of happens, you know, maybe through secondary school or university or something like that. So I worked specifically with the universities on that rate, just kind of making sure that what can we do to make sure that we keep them involved. And that doesn't necessarily mean them being an athlete. It just means them maybe working in the sports performance analysis office, you know, giving, giving females that opportunity to, to do things that they wouldn't usually get to do. So, that, so there was loads of workshops on that. We also had individual mentors, as well, which was which was great and inspirational. I'm still in contact with my mentor from that program actually, and she's amazing. She, she helped me a lot after I graduated from uni in terms of like finding a job and helping me to kind of continue my vision, work in in a, in a good field that I can feel like I can have impact in. Yeah, it was super heavy. We would go for like uh, weekends. So we would go, I think we had four or five meetups, like physical meetups throughout the year. And the rest of it was kind of a mixture of remote and kind of setting tasks for you to do back in your working environment. So it was learning, but then it was also, okay, what can you put back into your community? Or what can you put back into your university where where you are or your like home club? I, I love how
0: the program is focusing on getting women sort of, I don't really mean behind the scenes, but you know, like as support for athletes, because, you know, I think that we forget that there's all this stuff behind all of the athletes and if all those people behind the athletes are men we're still in a bad situation or we're
1: not in the ideal situation no of course and and i think that was that was one of the main things um that was one of the main topics for like the the entire year because and i think this is just how sort of like it's grown to be often it's kind of just like hey like if you're not an athlete then you know okay like, what else are you kind of going to do? Maybe you get told you can be a PE teacher or something. But there's so <laughs> much. No, but there's so much more. Yeah. As in, like, you know, if you wanted to go work in the performance analysis office, why should it be all men in there? Why can't we have, like, a few females in there as well? And I think it's, at first, I think it was about the lack of knowledge. So the lack of knowledge or the lack of opportunities for there to be females in there. And like you said, like, if we, if we have them behind, behind all the athletes as well, then it, it drives everyone else and it moves everything forward.
0: What's your impression of what the situation is in women's football? And, you know, you can answer it in terms of, you know, in England or in a you know, sort of broader world or women's football or women's sports or however you want to answer it. I'd be curious, you know, from your perspective, how we're doing.
1: I think in terms of where we were three years ago compared to now is a massive difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you turn on the TV now in England and you, and you can watch women's football. You know, you can you can have that on, on BBC. And that's amazing to see, because when I was younger, when I was in school, it wasn't there. So it's amazing to know that these kids who I'm teaching, all these kids who I'm helping in the younger generation, they, they can see that now. Because for me, it always kind of felt like, especially when I was younger, like wanting to be footballer, I was kind of it kind of felt like a dream all the time. It was kind of like, oh, you know, I don't actually I've never actually sat down and watched a game on the TV. You know, and now it's like you could do that. So I think I think in terms of that, it's great. And also there's a load of more like sponsorships, deals and stuff happening as well. Like the connection between WSL and Barclays, which is a really, really big one. Loads of different programs that, that are happening as well. We're getting more people at games. So I genuinely do think the direction it's heading in is great. It's just about keeping it that way. Um, because it'd be such a shame to kind of have all this drive and then it kind of just hit hit a blank wall you know but i think it's continuing to happen like day by day week by week and you know the the euros like sold out right 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 and that's amazing
0: yeah it's it's totally amazing are you good at sort of balancing you know optimism that things are getting better and also you know there's
1: still work to be done yeah for sure i mean there's no doubt in saying, like, there's. It's not a secret. There's a lot of work to do, because if he, if you was to compare that right now to men's football, and even if you was to compare, let's just say, an athlete of my age, like male versus female, there's big differences. You know, in terms of how much they get paid, how much they get supported, they have like boot sponsorships. Some of us don't have that. You know, oh, there's tons of things. It's it's a very very different process, I would say. So there is still a lot of work to be done to at least get it to be somewhat equal or somewhat level. But I would say, like, from where, from where I've come from, from how long I've known football for, it's lovely to see it improving. It's lovely to see that there is work being done about this and we're not actually being ignored. Yeah, for sure.
0: Switching topics, is COVID an issue? Where, where is uh, your team with that right now?
1: Yeah, COVID was an issue. Uh, so football stopped for like a for like a season, uh, and that was super tough. I know a lot of people found that hard mentally. A lot of people found it hard physically as well. For sure, myself, I found it really really difficult to not be able to compete and train all the time or see see like the football girls all the time because it, it was it was super super tough. It had an impact, I guess, as well on, like, club finances and stuff. I wouldn't know too much about that, but for sure, I mean, everyone knows COVID had a financial impact as well as, like, a physical one as well, right? Yeah, it was really, really hard. And then when we did get back into playing, it was it was a lot of, like, okay, is this game actually going to happen or is the team going to call the game off because someone's got COVID? And it was kind of here and there. But, but now we're definitely at a good point where, like, majority of games get played. Like, you, you hardly ever have, like, COVID cases and stuff now within sport and, and your fans can come and watch no problems right they can come now yeah that was super that was super strange as well actually to have like no one <laughs> yeah. in the stadium it's kind of like a you score a goal and you're like oh okay <laughs> 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 like you used to hearing like all like the crowds like screaming and jumping up and down or like you would look over to your sponsor and see them in see them in the sidelines and it was just yeah it was completely different it was yeah completely different.
0: yeah well Anything that I didn't get to that you want to talk about?
1: No, I mean, I think this was a really good chat, actually. It's really lovely to be on. Uh, thanks again for that. So, uh, yeah, but I think this was a, it was a really good chat. We touched on some really good topics.
0: Yeah, thank
1: you. It's been awesome.
0: And that's our show for this week. Thank you to Tinny for taking the time to record with me. Be sure to follow her on social. You can find all those links in the show notes at hearhersports.com. Following female athletes does have an impact and a great place to start is with all my guests on Hear Her Sports. Keep tuning in to every episode of Hear Her Sports. You being here, enjoying the conversation and spreading the word about the incredible women on the show make everything I'm doing absolutely worthwhile. There are many ways to keep the conversation going. Hear Her Sports is on social with the handle Hear Her Sports. You can send me an email to elizabeth.com at hearhersports.com. I love hearing from you and always respond. And if you aren't a newsletter subscriber, check it out. Between episodes, I write a few words about issues in sports, the podcast, and how to watch women's sports or follow along in other ways. Lots of listeners are reading each week, so join us there. Sign up at hearhersports.com. Until next time, bye-bye.
1: Perfect.